0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Scary Spaghetti Development Blog number three. So I'm going to give you a little bit of some updates on the game I'm developing and also just a couple other quick announcements concerning the game. Now, first, I had hoped to have a Kickstarter by this month. Obviously, that's not going to happen. Then I decided, well, maybe by August... Not sure if I'm going to make that either, so hoping sometime this fall. But uh, definitely, we'll get that Kickstarter up uh, before the end of the year. And the reason uh, I've delayed things a little bit is because I am going to be uh, doing some reworking on the system. Because, as I mentioned in the last uh, blog, I do have a test campaign that I'm running, so haven't had a lot of playtesters so far, but I have actually gotten some helpful feedback, and some of that feedback did lead me to decide to revamp the character generation system a bit. Originally, the system was more of like a class-based system, so very much along the lines of like basic D&D. You know, back in the days of basic D&D, you know, you chose your class. a uh, Cleric, Elf, Thief, uh, Wizard, or Magic User, Fighter, Dwarf, or Halfling. And you pretty much had just those abilities with very little actual uh, crunch behind that. So you didn't really have a lot of character customization options. So that's what the original version of the game was like it was very much a like I said more along the lines of old school D D. yeah some of your character classes had a couple of options but there wasn't really a lot then I revamped the system a little bit and introduced something called builds so what you would do is you would choose your well the classes in this system are called clicks and I do apologize if I i repeat anything that I covered in my last two blogs. Uh, a lot of times these are just off the cuff. So it's quite possible I might repeat something that you already have heard. But anyways, so I, like I said, I revamped the system and did something called builds. So you would choose your click and then some of the, well, actually most of the clicks would have some options uh, usually anywhere from two to four of these build options, though there were a couple of clicks that didn't have options, mainly because I couldn't really think of much to, you know, really make it worthwhile. Like, for example, the jock, uh, The in the original version, you could choose to specialize in either physical fitness or teamwork. But what I did for the second revision is I introduced four different builds for the jock where you could be the athlete where you don't really get any combat bonuses but you're actually in really good shape. Uh, The other option was the captain and this would be you know someone who does a lot of team sports like football or soccer or basketball where you need to work with your other members. Uh, Then the other two new builds that I introduced were the brawler which would be someone that did a lot of martial arts. Uh, actually, I think I had five in there. I may have did a grappler one as well. So that would be someone who does wrestling. And then I introduced another one called Fighter, which was your you know, your basic... Like maybe you were on the fencing team or you studied a weapon-based martial art like Eskrima or Kendo. So I did that for my first uh, three playtesting sessions. And... But like I said, due to some feedback, I decided to, first of all, add a a new click. And then also, I'm I'm revamping it where, uh, first, each click is going to get a perk. So this is a unique ability that is common to all members of that particular click. For example, the jock gets one called Athletic Prowess, where they may re-roll a failed physical skill check once per mission. So like the example I give is, let's say you're climbing a tree, and the game master asks the player to make an agility check, and you fail. Thanks to your athletic prowess, you can make a second check in order to try to grab a branch at the last minute and save yourself from falling. Now, the way that the new system is going to be working is... Each click is still going to have that unique perk, but in order to introduce a bit more flexibility, there's going to be a system of traits and drawbacks with each trait and drawback having a numeric value. So it's going to be worth a certain number of points. And you can select up to five points, but it has to balance out. So let's say you choose a three-point trait for your character. And again, traits are going to be like a a strong point, a special ability that your your character class gets. But that means you would have to balance it out with either a three-point drawback, three one-point drawbacks, or a two-point and a one-point drawback. So again, it's going to get one of the reasons I actually warmed up to that idea is it does give a bit more character customization. But since you can't have a character that has all of the traits and all the drawbacks... It gives a little bit more replayability value, I guess you could say. Now, of course, I'm not saying that, you know, if I kept one of the older systems, it wouldn't have any replayability. I mean, think of Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, Obviously, like a fighter, there's a lot of ways you can play a fighter. You know, you could choose to specialize in two-handed weapons, or if your fighter has better dex than strength, you could choose to specialize in bows or crossbows, or maybe you might choose to be more of a lightly armed and armored uh, fighter like a swashbuckler. So that's one of the things I did like about the second edition uh, Complete Handbooks, is they did give you those options where, yeah, you could play a fighter several times, but it gave you lots of different ways that you could choose to play a fighter and have something different other than your stats and your personality. Because, don't get me wrong, I I do understand that some people don't like overly crunchy systems and I'm not a huge fan of it too, too much crunch. I guess the... And I'm not really a rules light guy either. I've never really designed a rules light system At least, well, I I suppose my action plan can be considered rules-light. That was a pretty simplistic uh, system, but like I said, I haven't really done a lot of playing in those types of systems, so I don't consider myself an expert on them. I'm just more used to the class-based systems. But I hope these new revisions will make the system not only more flexible, more customizable, but most importantly, more enjoyable for uh, the players. Now, I did add another click. Now, the original version of the game had a total of seven clicks. Jock, Occultist, New Ager, Preppy, Student, Scout, and Rebel. But one of the people who was playtesting was like, well, what if I want to play something like a Theater Nerd or a Band Geek? Now I suppose you could do something like that because uh, any character can pick up musical or acting skills uh, but you didn't really have any way to specialize in it. So I did add a new click called The Entertainer and this could easily be your theater nerd or your band geek but it could also represent a student who does a, studies dance or who does visual or other performing arts. So I didn't... Add that and uh, actually spent a lot of time today uh, working on that uh, new one just to try to get, you know, some new ideas. So it was a bit more challenging than I thought, but I think I do have some good ideas to go with that new click. Not sure if I'm going to add any others, like one of the actually, there were a couple ideas that I had from uh, one of my play testers, like a student activist or. Another one like the exchange student, which, yeah, they might be some interesting ideas in there, but just right now, I couldn't really think of anything to really make those viable, playable characters. Or at least I'm not sure if there's anything you can do with those particular stereotypes that you couldn't do with, you know, a little bit of creativity with the other ones. And I remember one person I was talking to. in the, the local uh, gaming group that I'm a part of, well, not really a group, it's called Appleton Area Adventures and Role Players Guild. It's more of a group designed to help people find other people to game with. And there was one person I was talking to from the group who's like, well, maybe you could also introduce a click for like special needs student. It could be someone who's like, you know, autistic or mentally challenged. And when I heard that, I'm like, uh, no, just No. I didn't say it to the guy, of course, but I'm like, uh, no, that would be, personally, I think that would be a little insensitive and just, yeah, no, I'm not, I wasn't going to do something like that. But anyway, so that's the state of where I am in developing the game. Now, uh, as far as my test campaign, I have actually done a couple sessions since my last uh my last uh development blog episode I did wanna share something that happened during one of our testing sessions that I actually thought was a lot was funny and actually pretty go- awesome really uh two of the people who were actually three of the people who were play testing are artists that i've uh I'm working with to get artwork for the game and the second session uh I had two of those artists there. So, the way the campaign is unfolding, uh, you may recall during our first session, the characters went into an abandoned mental asylum on a dare in order to take a selfie in the morgue. And that's when they were, you know, they came across a group of uh, heavily armed men and armored men with assault rifles. And they, you know, just kind of remembered waking up in their bedrooms the next day. Well, in the second session, they went to an abandoned section of the shopping mall. Now, this is another one of those examples where I'm drawing upon real-life events for a little bit of inspiration in the campaign. Now, in this case, uh, one of our local shopping malls, the Sears store actually closed last year. So that section of the mall is, you know, that store is boarded up. So far, they haven't, you know, announced anything for, you know, who uh, might be buying that that store location, but right now it's just sitting abandoned. So in our second playtesting session, the players heard about, there was some graffiti at the mall, as well as a strange guy who was, you know, walking around talking about how he is coming and saying, you know, unusual and cryptic things. And one of the symbols that was spray painted on the side of the mall, again by this abandoned store, was a symbol that they saw in their dreams. So they went to investigate and they snuck into the abandoned part of the mall. And while they were sneaking around in the abandoned uh, store, they did find an area where it looked like some sort of ritual had taken place and they were attacked by this spider-like thing. So, okay, to get into my point about why this is relevant to uh, to the artists that are doing playtesting with me, I was trying to describe what this spider-like creature looked like. And both of the artists, without saying a word, took out their sketch pads and started to draw what they thought the thing I was describing would look like. So I just thought that was cool that, again, both of them, uh, without saying anything to each other, tried drawing it. So they actually came up with some cool ideas. So probably be incorporating that eventually. But anyways, they also are investigating a missing girl, uh, one of their missing classmates. So anyways, after defeating the spider monster creature thing, uh, they were searching the area and they found the uh, wallet of the uh, missing classmate of theirs. Now they just eventually decided that it probably would be best to just anonymously turn it into the authorities. So in the third session, you know that that got resolved. The police went in, they investigated it, and reported that they found nothing there. So they went back to explore uh, the the store again, and when they got back to the part where the They fought that spider monster, they found it had been entirely cleaned up. The carpet that had this symbol painted on it was actually removed and replaced. So, again, they kind of had this, uh, they're under this suspicion that something is going on. Um, Also, oh, yeah, in the second session, when they were sneaking around in the abandoned store, they were interrupted by the mayor giving a tour to some CEOs from a chain store called Value Island, which is going to be this game world's equivalent to Walmart. And they were talking about buying that particular location. So will this come into play later on? My players are going to find out. So... Like I said, I've been trying to introduce some things that are going to be relevant later on, and I'm also introducing some things that maybe might not have any bearing in the long run. But anyways, what happened is when the players went back to investigate the abandoned store, they were kidnapped by a group of mysterious individuals who uh, seem to have some sort of magical or psychic powers, and they woke up in an underground complex or at least they think it was an underground complex because there were no windows. Well, anyways, uh, while they were in this complex, they discovered their missing classmate's backpack. Uh, they also fought a couple more, or encountered a couple of more of these spider monsters. And when they were trying to leave, they were attacked by these spider monsters again. But another group of these... Armored men with uh, the assault rifles came in and saved them. And again, they ended up waking up the next day. No memory of how they got home. So eventually during the the, the game, they will discover who exactly these men with the body armor. And again, their, their faces are concealed, so they can't even see their faces. Uh, but they are going to find out more about them. The only clue they have to go on is they have they did notice that one of them has a symbol on their armor it's the Omega symbol with a 9 in it so that will be relevant to the plot of the game later on so that is how the campaign's going uh, my next session they're going to actually advance so they're going to be going from rank 1 to rank 2 which basically means their characters are going from being 13 year olds to 14 year olds so again, that's I may have mentioned this in the last uh, session, but one of the things I'm finding is being that's being challenging about developing adventures for this game is the pacing is definitely very different than any D and D or any other like Marvel superheroes game I ran because usually there, you know, there might be only a day or two between uh, adventures between missions. Uh, you know, at least in game time. But again, since here we have to understand that each level is a year of the character's life, you know, you got to really think about how many adventures you want to take them on before they start leveling up. Also, they've done a bit more combat than I probably would recommend early on in this campaign. Because again, remember right now their characters are just 13-year-olds. So, you know, they, they're probably not reacting, or at least my character that I've been playing, I know, hasn't always been reacting the way I probably would have when I was 13 years old. So that's one thing I've been trying to keep in mind while designing these adventures is, okay, would it make sense for a 13 or 14 or 15 year old to find themselves in this position? And how would... How would I have reacted back then when I was that age? Now, I think it changes a bit once your characters get to rank four and they're 16 years old because that's going to put a, a different spin on the campaign because right now, my players are pretty much limited to you know, exploring areas that are within walking or biking distance or places that they can take a bus to. But of course, once they get access to a car... It's going to be like Final Fantasy XV where they'll be able to, you know, they'll be able to uh, explore far and wide and that's going to definitely put a whole new spin on the the focus and the locations explored in the campaign. Well, that's my update right now for the development of Scary Spaghetti. Now, I'm not sure if I'm going to keep Scary Spaghetti as the final name, I have a couple of ideas of names I might change it to, but tell me what you think. You know, you can certainly post to the Point of Insanity Game Studio Facebook page or you can contact me through Twitter or poigamestudio.gmail.com. What do you think of the name Scary Spaghetti? Again, it's supposed to be a play on the term creepypasta. So, and that's actually what the the game is going to focus on again I'm trying to make I think I mentioned this last time I'm trying not to make it too similar to Stranger Things because I'm just afraid that people are going to you know they're just going to think it's a Stranger Things ripoff and I know there have been other game companies that have jumped on that Stranger Thing bandwagon and they have been making uh, role-playing games that are Essentially, based in the eighties, where you play a bunch of teenagers. So again, well, there might be some parallels between Scary Spaghetti and those games. I'm trying to again avoid being a, a ripoff of Scary of a of Stranger Things. Again, I don't want to draw too much inspiration for that from that particular series, even though I actually really like it. Because uh, actually, again, just to give you a little bit more inside baseball here. I actually started developing this game back in, I'm wanting to say 2010, 2011. That's when I actually started to come up with the ideas for the different character classes and I decided that I wanted to do a a high school themed role-playing game. However, the original version would have had more of a sci-fi influence to it. So in this case your characters were going to be high school students that seemed to be the only ones that were aware of an alien invasion and it would have involved you know trying to work against people who were possessed by these aliens and doing their bidding but when I started to learn more about creepy pastas that's where I started to decide to revamp the system and still keep the high school theme but Again, base it more on urban legends and creepy pastas as opposed to, you know, that sci-fi theme. And I think the game's going to be better off for that in the end. Oh yes, and uh, one last thing. Uh, during my last session, one of my players uh, told me about a creepy pasta called yellow rooms, or some people call them back rooms, and I. I remember after uh, I got home from that session, I watched a YouTube video on it and I sent him a message. It's like, you know, you realize you're giving me ideas. Are you sure you want to be doing that? So, yes. Uh, sometime during my campaign, I will be drawing influence from the Yellow Room uh, creepy pastas. So, with that said, I'd like to thank you again for tuning in and... Until next time, uh, have a good evening, or morning, or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and happy gaming. Welcome to Bone Thriller's Theater. Nah, it's not that kind of show. It's an RPG actual play podcast. My name is Jordan, and I'm joined by our fun-loving cast. This is Aaron. Jeff here. Johnny is my name. And I'm Jeremy. And what we do is dive in and play various tabletop RPG systems and games such as Mini Six, Fiasco, Inspectors, Monster of the Week, Fate, and more. But no matter the rule set or setting, some pretty intense storytelling hits the fan. So whether you like epic fantasy adventure, comedy, sci fi, horror or just horrifically bad puns we've got something to feast your imagination on listen to our full episodes and more at Theater.com. and may the bones fall ever in your favor you have been listening to a program from the point of insanity network Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Studio.